Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, we come to the third Sunday of Lent, and we have the privilege of reading one of the most important texts in the Bible, period. We're in the third chapter of the book of Exodus. It's the text in which God gives himself a name if you want, defines himself, but as we'll see in a way that's really no definition at all, but God's manifestation of his own identity. And so we're on very holy ground with this story. And let me just get into it by rehearsing a little bit of the narrative. The biblical authors, you know, with typical laconicism and understatement, will often just sketch a character in a few deft strokes. So Moses, what do we know about Moses? Well, he's found by the daughter of Pharaoh, you know, this little baby in the, in the basket. And so he's raised among the Egyptian gentry, upper class. We don't have to give in to all of Cecil B. DeMille's imaginings, but that, that Moses was raised in the very high culture of Egypt, that seems clear. And probably like a lot of aristocrats, was used to having things his way. And so when he sees this Egyptian who's mistreating uh, one of his fellow Hebrews, he just promptly kills him and buries him. You know, this is not exactly a man who's under control emotionally. And then when he finds out, well, the, the word has gotten out, he then um, leaves the country and he goes off into the desert. So you see this um, aristocratic figure, certainly, a man used to having things his way, suddenly in trouble, and now he has to go through, as so many biblical figures do, a time of trial and testing. And the typical place for this, we saw it uh, a few weeks ago with the Lord himself, the typical place for this is the desert. So Moses, for years, this Egyptian aristocrat lives the simple life of a shepherd in the desert. What's happening? Well, the refinement of his personality, the limiting of his sinfulness. Think of, of Joseph having to spend years in an Egyptian prison before he was ready to assume his role as vizier of Egypt. So now Moses, before he can take on the task of liberating his people, has to have the rough edges of his personality smooth. And it's only after this long time of trial that the Lord appears to him. And here's this, this famous and, and beautifully uh, told account. An angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in fire flaming out of a bush. As he looked on, he was surprised to see that the bush, though on fire, was not consumed. We have to pause there at such an important moment. The fire of God's presence, yes, indeed. But it doesn't consume the bush. In fact, it simply makes the bush more luminous and more radiant and more beautiful. So it goes, everybody, with the God of the Bible. Unlike the gods of the ancient Greeks and Romans, who, when they broke into human affairs, destroyed things 
incinerated people because they were in a competitive relationship with this world. For the gods to assert themselves, something in this world had to give. That's not the God of the Bible. Why? Well, it's very clear because God's the creator of all things. There's nothing in this world that can compete with God. God gave whatever the world has. God is not one more item in the world. So I can look around this room and see various items in it. What don't I see? Well, the one who designed this room. He's not here. He's not in the room. And so God, the designer and creator of the whole universe, is not competing with us. But rather, listen to me now. Listen. As God gets closer to you, you become more luminous and more beautiful and more radiant. That's the God now who manifests himself to Moses. But now, watch this very interesting dynamic, which encapsulates in many ways, a dynamic you can see throughout the biblical narratives. When the Lord saw him coming over to look more closely, because Moses said, look, what's going on? Let me find out. Well, there's the aristocratic Moses, used to having things his way. Here's this weird sight. Let me go and investigate. Well, the Lord saw him coming over. He called out from the bush, Moses, Moses. Well, here's the Lord who, who knows this shepherd, this nobody who's tending sheep in, in, the, in this mountain range in, in the Sinai Peninsula. Boy, this, this God must be a very local, very intimate deity, very close. Yeah, true. Moses answers, here I am. And God says, come no nearer. Take off your sandals, for you are on holy ground. Now, here's the rhythm I want you to see. Is God close to us? Yes. See, we, we don't believe in a deist God, which is to say a, a distant cause of the universe that way back then or way up there somewhere did, did his causal thing and then went into retirement, who doesn't really know the world. You know, look at a lot of mysticisms where, where the divine is sort of a principle or a force but doesn't really know us. Look at the Star Wars uh, mythology, which sums up a lot of the spiritual traditions of the world. Sure, there's the force out there, which can be used for good or evil, but the force doesn't know me. The force doesn't know my name. The, the distant deist prime mover doesn't know my name. But God knows the name of this little nobody tending sheep in the Sinai Peninsula because the true God, Augustine put it this way, is intimior intimo meo, closer to me than I am to myself. Now, see, why? Why? Because God is here and now bringing all things into being. The creator didn't do something long ago, then retire. No, no. God continually creates the universe. All things, moment to moment, depend upon the causal influence of God. So, of course, God knows me better than I know myself. Of course God knows my name and knows your name. What does Jesus say? Every hair on your head is numbered. That's how intimately God knows us. Beautiful, beautiful. But now wait, but wait. Lest this draws me into a kind of too chummy intimacy with God. Back off, Moses. Take off your sandals because you are on holy ground. Mind you, sand, why would you take off your shoes when you're on holy ground? Well, see, what do shoes enable you to do? 
Well, they enable you to do to go anywhere. If I got shoes on, I can walk confidently over all kinds of terrain. I'm in command. Now, take your shoes off. Well, you're much more vulnerable, right? It's rocky terrain. You're not going to be climbing that in bare feet. Take off your shoes, Moses. You're not in control here. You're on holy ground. Now, that word holy, kadosh in the Hebrew, right? The angels in Isaiah 6, kadosh, 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 holy, holy, holy. You know what it means? It means other, 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 different, transcendent. Well, you just told me he's, he's, he's intimate to us. He, he knows us better than we know ourselves. Uh-huh, true, and, and at the same time, as Augustine put it, he is superior sumo meo. He's higher than anything I can possibly imagine. Now, do you see why? The creator of the universe is not an item within the universe. That which gives rise to the whole being of the finite world is not himself a being among beings. Huh. The true God who appears in the burning bush in such a way that he enhances and makes beautiful that to which he comes close, that God is both intimior intimo meo et superior sumo meo, closer to me than I am to myself and greater than anything I can possibly imagine. Now we're talking. That's the true God. Now, this play of imminence and transcendence Continues. Listen to what the Lord said. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Well, I know your name. I know the name of your ancestors. I know the name of, of, the, of the patriarchs of your people. More to it, I've witnessed the affliction of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cry of complaint. I know well their suffering. Now think about this for a minute. Who was the most like forgettable people in the ancient Near East? It would have been this poor enslaved tribe of the Hebrews in Egypt. They're not some great empire. They're not some great cultural force. They were, they were enslaved nobodies. And yet God knows them and has heard their cry. And furthermore, I have come to rescue them from the hands of the Egyptians, to lead them into a land good and spacious and flowing with milk and honey. Wow, how intimate, in, involved, how, how aware of the people Israel this God is. Okay, so Moses might be thinking, all right, he told me to take off my shoes and, and you know, I'm on holy ground and all that, but now he seems again pretty, pretty intimate. And so what does Moses do? And here we come to the climax of the story. He says, all right, you know, if you send me to Egypt to lead these people out, and they ask, well, what's the name of this God who spoke to you? What will I tell them? Now, it's a reasonable question. You know, what, what name? That means, well, what, who are you? What, what kind of being are you? If you ask my name, I'm going to specify I'm a very, very particular human being. I'm, you know, Bishop Robert Barron. <laughs> Uh, I was born at this time in this place. I live here. I'm specifying exactly who I am when I give you my name. So Moses is asking a reasonable question. All right, Lord, what's your name? And then comes the line now, which is the most famous line. It's the hinge in many ways, everybody, upon which the biblical revelation turns. 
What does God say? I am who I am. Now, you might say it's a, it's a bit like take off your shoes and your holy ground. It's a bit like saying, hey, Moses, stop asking me such a stupid question. You know, I am who I am. But see, press it even further. What's your name? Who are you? How can I specify you? Which, which being are you among the many beings of the world? Which God are you? There's a God of the river, God of the mountain, God of this people, God of that people. Well, you're a God, clearly. Well, which one are you? What's your name? Mm. No, 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 no. The God that Moses is dealing with is not one of those little petty deities, not one little divine potentate among many. The creator of the universe, as I've said, is not an item within the universe. I am, uh-huh, who I am. See, I, I am a human being. I am Bishop Robert Barron. I am someone who lives in Santa Barbara. I am someone giving you a sermon. See, what I've done with that I am is I've specified and defined precisely what kind of being I am. That's what God won't do. That's what God can't do. I am who I am. To be God is to be to be. <laughs> That's Thomas Aquinas. In God, Thomas says, essence and existence coincide. Now, what does that highly abstract language mean? Well, think of, there's this camera in front of me I'm, I'm speaking into. That's a type of being. It exists. It exists in a particular way. It's got the form of, of camera. There's all these items around me I can see. There's people around me I can see who are typical, they're, they're types of being. I can look up at the planet Mars, the planet Jupiter. I can look at the Milky Way and I can say, all these are types of beings. I can name them. I can define them. Their existence is received and delimited according to certain essential principles. Excuse the philosophy, but that's the way that our tradition has translated this language. They're all beings of some type. And then there's God. I am uh -huh, who I am. I, to be God is not to be this or that, up or down, here or there, big, small. To be God is to be to be. Now, now, where is this being itself? Well, everywhere in this room, of course, because nothing in this room would exist apart from God. Where, where is God? He's in you in the most intimate way possible. Okay? Where is this God who's being itself? He's nowhere. Nowhere. Because nothing in this room is God. Nothing in this whole cosmos is God. He's in timior intimo meo, et superior sumo meo, closer than we are to ourselves, greater than anything we can imagine. And see, everybody listen, it's that God whom we can neither control nor hide from that addresses Moses in the burning bush. The two paths of sinners, by the way, and we walk them all the time, is we try to control God for our purposes or we try to avoid him. Give up. They're both hopeless paths. And rather surrender to the God closer to you than you are to yourself, greater than anything you can possibly imagine. And you know what he wants to do? You know what he wants to do? He wants to set you on fire with his own presence. 
to make you as radiant and beautiful as possible. That's the God who addressed Moses. That's the God that we're talking about. And may that God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.